I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Pastor Mike lay hands on me and pray for me real quick. Amen. If you want a, a fresh touch from the Lord this morning, why don't you stand to your feet. We're going to just receive a prophetic anointing. I just want the pastor to lay hands on me and pray real quick. So, Lord, we thank you right now that your word will go forth. Just the words of Jesus where he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Lord, I thank you right now that as Dan releases this message that you have placed on his heart, Lord, that there is a word that is going to go forth. Lord, I pray that every heart in this place, everyone who's watching online, Lord, that, that we would be receptive to hear the word that you have for us today. Lord, I pray that there would be no offense, that, that our hearts wouldn't be hardened in any way, but that we would, be, we would have tender hearts, soft hearts, that as the word is planted within us, that there would be much fruit that would be produced from this. So, Lord, we just bless Pastor Dan right now as he, as he releases this word. Lord, that as he's blessed, Lord, as he releases this, that there is a blessing that goes out to the church. There's a blessing that goes out far beyond these walls that touches the hearts and the lives of many people, that there is an awakening of the church in this season. And so, Lord, we bless you in this. We thank you, Lord, that our hearts are ready to receive. And, Lord, I thank you that every word that comes out of Dan will be from your heart, the very things that you have placed on, on his heart that is your heart. So, Lord, thank you for the release of your word today. We bless Dan as he releases this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Super good to be with you guys this morning. Are you in a good mood? Front row's in a good mood. You guys in a good mood? It's really important to be in a good mood, amen? I do, I want to say something too. I didn't um, plan on saying this, but I, I pastor our own ministry, lead our own ministry. It's called Prepare the Way. Several months ago, um, and I've, when we were pastoring, we're, my wife and I were pastoring, started in our home, and then we got into a business complex. We did that from 2007, whatever, 2008 is what it was, all the way until 2018. Then we turned it into a full-time house of prayer. Um, and I've always tithed into our church, always. I've been a tither since I was a kid. My dad would give me two bucks. He goes, you owe 20 cents to the Lord. And I was raised that way. And my dad is a significant tither, um, big time. And he has so many stories of God providing and God rebuking the devourer off of our family. When my dad and I were in absolute poverty, when my mom left us, we were absolutely impoverished, impoverished beyond measure. And he began to tithe and he said, Dan, the windows of heaven were opened up over us. We could not contain the blessing. A few months ago, and I have been uh, probably one of the active supporters of my own ministry, Several months ago, the Lord says, um, I need you to quickly begin to tithe into the rock as a ministry, as my wife and I. And that was, um, that was a, an odd step of faith for me. I wasn't quite expecting that. But the Lord said, and he, he, he put, a, he put some, something on it of almost like, and you need to do it quickly. Because I felt there were some things coming, and it was important for my family and our ministry to come underneath apostolic cover. 
I've not ever really had much of a grid until these last couple of years of apostolic covering. I didn't really understand the role of the apostle much. Um, I understood the pastor well and the prophet well, but are, do we really have active apostles these days? And there is something significant. I'm observing something happening that I've been in Colorado since I was four. I'm 51 years old. I called to the ministry at 19. I've seen a lot of things. My pastor that I served was a mighty man of God. Many prophetic apostolic voices would come into that place, seen some very powerful things. And I want, to, want you to know I've seen three different pastors' movements, this being the third, and I've not seen anything happen in Colorado that's happening right now. There's revival breaking out in the western slope with over 100 pastors. There's revival breaking out in the north with 180 pastors. There's several hundred pastors here that are literally leaning on the heart of Mike that trust him as an apostolic figure. I've not seen Colorado been able to embrace this kind of unity as it's embracing right now because Colorado has been significantly difficult on one another. When a revival breaks out in the church, the churches persecute that man of God. It's difficult in any, in any other communities. There's a lot of difficulty with competition, jealousy, and strife. But something is happening over the high place of Colorado right now that I have never seen in all the years that I've been here since I was four years of age. And so the Lord spoke to me very clearly. I want you to stop sowing into your own ministry, and I want you to tithe into the rock. Just recently that we did that, it was probably the most costly check that I've written in a while. You know what I'm saying? And immediately the very next day, a significant financial breakthrough happened for us personally. Significant. So there is, the Lord is very, very, he promises us in Malachi. The purpose of the tithe, like what Patrick said, he got me stirred. I almost started telling some Boudreaux and Thibodeau jokes. He's from Louisiana. Um, he, you remember those jokes, my brother? I got a couple of them. I'm not much of a jokester, but I got a few of them. Um, when he was up here, here's the key thing. The reason why Malachi teaches, the Lord begins to speak to his people, Israel, and he tells them to tithe. It's not that the God needs our resources. It's because his people need to learn to trust him. Because Israel had such a difficulty in trusting the Lord. They had a, a slave mentality. They couldn't trust so he began to lean on them. He says, if you will give back to me what belongs to me, if you will take what belongs to me and give it back to me, he said, I'm such a good God, I will pour out a blessing upon you that you can't contain. He says, I will rebuke the devourer and I will pursue you with blessing. And then he began to lean on the people. It's probably good that we do tithe because the second thing he asked them to do, I want you to give me the seventh day. You can work six days. Give me the seventh day. And then he went again. He goes, I want you to give me the seventh year. You can work six years, but you will let the land rest on the seventh year and see that I will not pour out a blessing upon you even in the seventh year. All of this has been about us trusting in the Lord. Amen? And I wanted to give a testimony today that God spoke to my wife and I to sow into this ministry because it's very important. This is the first time that I've tithed into another ministry since 2007. Done it ever since and to prepare the way ministry. So I'm grateful for that. Amen? I want to encourage us this morning that I had, a, I had an encounter with the Lord three weeks ago, and it has, it's shaken me. Pastor Mike thought there was something wrong with me. I didn't pray in the last couple of prayer meetings, 
But I have been shaken by the Lord deeply. Then I had a vision, so he encountered my heart. He began to go deep in me. Then he gave me a vision. And I feel it's important right now that we could build faith in here before I go into this. And I think the response today is we're going to get before the Lord. And we're just going to begin to ask him to pour out upon us once again. Amen? The prophetic word of the Lord is going to go forth today and it's going to bring life to you. I want to ask you a question. Who in here knows how to operate with the prophetic? Raise your hand. There's a lot of hands that are not raised. Let me just help some of you. When the word of the Lord is prophesied, I've been in meetings. I remember one lady that the, the word of the Lord was released over her that she was about to have a child. And she shook her head no. And she did not receive the word of the Lord that this prophet released over her. But the lady behind her did because the lady behind her also was barren and couldn't have children for years. And that lady outwardly, she says, I will take that word. Because the lady in front of her just rejected the word of the Lord because she labeled the prophet as missing God or it was a false word because it was impossible for her to have children. Well, the lady behind her, it was impossible also. And by about this time next year, she had a child. I was in a meeting in Florida and I was preaching to his church that did not ever move in the prophetic very much. And I remember I looked over, I had, I had no idea who was in the room. I did not know anybody. It was my first time there. And I said, lady, I see children. Well, she was the children's pastor's wife. And it was impossible for her to have kids because of what had happened inside of her body when she was younger. She could not have children. No matter what procedure she could go to to have kids, it was impossible for her to have children. And all of a sudden, this lady buckled over and began to weep uncontrollably. I did not know who she was, but I later found out that she was the children's pastor's wife, and she had a plethora of children after seven years of marriage, could not have kids. God blessed the fruit of her womb and gave birth to a multitude of kids. And I want to I prophesy the word this morning. I want to prophesy over our hearts. And I believe that God is about to significantly shift and i want to just speak over a few people this is by no means to embarrass but to deeply encourage um i think it's is i think your name is is your name connor i'm trying to remember is it connor the hat on cooper i remember you from months ago from the restaurant i don't live in castle rock but i remember going to your restaurant and i remember seeing you and the lord showed me the significant call of god upon your life is this your family to your right or to your left my right um Cooper, I just want to say to you and over your family, when I walked away from your son, this was months ago, the Lord said, I'm about to do a new thing in that family, in his family. I'm going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. I saw God doing a significant thing, not just in your son. When I walked away, the Lord says, that young man has no idea the hand of God that I have upon his life. But I saw the Lord doing something so significantly in your family and reviving, renewing, and doing something brand new in your children. I don't know if you're married, but there was something new that was coming to your family. And I just want to bless you. And, and, and Cooper, I want to say again that the hand of the Lord is so awesome on your life. I've not, I don't know if you go here. I've not seen you for months and months and months. But when you came in, I recognized you. And Cooper, I want to bless you that God's hand is on your life. And God is going to use you significantly with without measure. Amen? 
Is that, is there a YWAM guy in here? I saw somebody with a YWAM shirt on. Is there somebody with a YWAM shirt on? He, you walked by me a little while ago. If you're somewhere in the building, I need to give you a word. Amen. All right, let's just go ahead. I want to begin to flow here with what the Lord wants to do. Um, are you encouraged this morning? I believe that the Holy Spirit is about to do something significant over our state. I've heard some pastors say that we don't know what this next move of God is going to look like, but we absolutely do know what this next move of God is going to look like. It's going to look exactly like it looked in Acts chapter 2. Because the fullness of the Spirit is coming back to the church. The fullness of the Spirit was given to the church through the early church at Acts chapter 2, and the fullness of the Spirit is coming once again. I believe that we have just stepped into the third great awakening. I believe it is happening right now, and it is significant. In fact, I'm going to begin to move quickly. I feel that the way to the Lord, he wants to you to get before him today. I don't believe the highlight is going to be on the preacher or the things that I'm going to say, and so I'm going to move quickly. Amen. I want you to hold out your hands in front of you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would encounter us today with the weight of your presence. I ask that you would stir us today. I declare in the name of Jesus that the wells underneath your people are about to open up. Father, I declare in Jesus' name that the angel of awakening in Zechariah 4 is about to come to your people and stir the hearts of your people again. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to release the hunger again for your presence in Jesus' name. I'm going to get into this encounter. Three Mondays ago at 3 o'clock in the morning, the night before I was at a service, and the Holy Spirit significantly fell in this meeting. It was a five-hour meeting. The glory of the Lord came, and the youth began to get delivered. The children were getting delivered. The parents were getting delivered. God had given me a, an assignment for five people to pray for. And what normally, I, I don't normally get encountered in meetings that I'm, that I'm in or leading. I get encountered in my times with the Lord. But in this meeting, I began to have an encounter with the Lord. I felt the weight of his presence come on me. Because I have been praying for, for months. I've been praying this, Lord, I need to be hungry again. I have been aware that my present level of hunger, it needed to go up a notch. I've had seasons where I've wrestled with distraction, and I'm like, Lord, why is the distraction so immense? I've had a grace on my life to pray. There's been seasons of my life I could pray six, seven, eight hours a day easily. The grace to pray was upon my life, and I would intercede for people, and I would intercede for pastors, and I would meet with pastors and intercede for churches, and there was a significant grace to pray. I said, Lord, what is the pressure in this hour? And he kept saying, just keep pushing because my glory is coming. And I heard the Lord said, there's so many pastors right now that are in the place of pressure. My people are under pressure. I need you to contend against this and keep pressing into my presence. I'm sending significant breakthrough. The other day I looked over at your pastor. And I came over and, and the Lord said over your pastor, I'm lifting your pastor's voice to a new level. That every realm of breakthrough that Mike steps into, it will be a breakthrough for hundreds. It'll be a breakthrough for hundreds of pastors. I told Mike, I said, I'm now beginning to understand this realm of the prophetic, of how Aaron, 
the priest could stand by himself in the middle of a plague between here's all the death that has just broken out against Israel and here's all the people that are living, the millions of people that are living and the plague is coming for the living to destroy them and God tells Moses to send Aaron and to stand between the dead and the living and to rebuke the disease. And this intercessor stood in this place of authority and this one man standing released blessing over millions of people to be preserved from what just killed hundreds of thousands. And I feel like there's something about the rock. This encounter that I had has brought the fear of the Lord to me. I've been asking the Lord for the fear of the Lord again. I believe it's coming upon the land, the fear of the Lord. I believe it's coming to America. I believe the grace to repent, to have tears again, is coming to America like we've never seen. I believe God's pursuing his church. And I believe what the Lord spoke to me. I called your pastor. I think it was, what, were you a Wednesday or Tuesday when you were in Houston? I called him up. I said, my brother, I said, the Lord spoke to me again this morning, something about that three o'clock hour. And he said, I need you to release this word at the rock and then three other locations. And it had a time stamp on it. I have never felt so strongly over Colorado because in 2021, I told God, I'm done with Colorado. I will not open my mouth again in this state. And I, I named churches that I would never stand in again and preach because the warfare was too great against me. How many know that the giants are not in your desert, they're in your promised land? And the pressure was against my heart and I needed to grow into some areas to be able to step in and to take out some giants. And the Lord came to me in April of 21 and he said, I'm about to call you into your next assignment. He says, and you have a great potential to tell me no. He said, I need your, your heart before me for 40 days. I need you in prayer and fasting for 40 days. I need to deliver you from trauma of the past. So God began to deliver me, began to set me free. And in the midst of the deliverance and setting me free, he gave me a vision over Colorado. He said, I'm going to send you to all over Colorado, and I want you to prophesy. I do not want you to leave this state of Colorado. I want you to prophesy everywhere, you, everywhere I send you, and you will declare that all of Colorado shall be saved. I'm going to awaken pastors who have lost their fire. They've lost their anointing. They haven't heard my voice for years. I will come upon them again, and I will revive them again. I'm going to revive my people. I want you to prophesy over every place I send you. The prophetic words at times seemed too big for our state. They seemed unrealistic because of the darkness of Colorado. Months ago, I was driving through downtown Denver. I wanted to kind of get a grid for what the city was looking like. I've done years and years and years of ministry in downtown Denver, street ministry, homeless ministry, being in the projects, in Globeville doing stuff with gangbangers. And I'm telling you, I've never seen Denver like it is right now. I've been in so many witch covens. I've seen so many cool things happen because my pastor was crazy like that. Around our church, we had 10 registered witch covens. So we had so much wonderful confrontations with witches and warlocks. It was, church was a blast. And I'm driving around downtown Denver just a couple of months ago. And I'm going to tell you, I got overwhelmed by it. I got heart sick. I said, Lord, I'm a false prophet. How in the world... I have been prophesying that you're sending revival to Colorado and the heart of Colorado is sick and diseased and there's not a light in the city. I couldn't even find a light in the city. 
I was driving around people who were passed out in gutters, all their clothes. This kid couldn't have been 22 years of age, completely unresponsive, just had a drug overdose. People trying to wake in ambulances, his clothes were thrown all over Colfax. I'm driving around people, homeless tents, I'm driving, and I said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to move. I felt vexed on the inside. And I drove up to a high place and I began to see thousands of roofs. And here's what the Lord said. He said, Colorado is not going to encounter my glory because she's good. Or because it deserves me. Or because there's a, a light somewhere in Denver. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on Colorado because I'm good and I am merciful. He says, you're going to wrap your faith around my mercy. He said, because it's Isaiah 16, he says, it's in my mercy that my throne is going to be established. I'm going to establish my throne in Colorado, not because that she deserves me, but because I am merciful and I will do this thing. And I'm going to move over a people who are not asking for me. Isaiah 64 is unraveling right now in the, in the nation. We've been declaring the first five verses of Isaiah 64. I've had some people come up to me and say, do you ever pray anything other than this? No, not until it happens. Somebody says, do you have anything else to pray? I said, I've got thousands of things to pray, but I can only pray what's on his heart right now. Of course I have more things to pray about. But until God strikes Colorado with this glory, I'm not going to stop praying. Until our mainline denominations are filled with glory again, I'm not going to stop praying. Until Colorado is burning with holy fire and every high place is touched by the glory of God, we as a church will not stop praying and contending. Elijah. Elijah did not stop contending and praying until the cloud the size of a man's hand appeared over a drought-stricken Israel because she was worshiping at false idols and false altars, and God restrained the rain to come. He would not release his blessing until repentance came into Israel, and repentance is coming again in Jesus' name. Amen? I was at this service, and the Holy Spirit was, was, was really intense on me, and I began to cry. I'm not much of a crier in the public place. I'll cry when I'm with the Lord, or when I see my wife come through a door, I'll start crying because she's captivating and I began to cry and I went off to the side and I just said because Holy Spirit was moving without me and so I went off to the side and I sat down and the weight of his presence was on me and he was going deep in me and he was searching my heart he was searching my heart and about five hours into this meeting there was kids laid out everywhere there was adults laid out everywhere and the place that I was at, they're, they're really strong on, on honor. And there was a lady come up to me. She goes, Pastor Dan, please come. We, we want to feed you. Of course, I was hungry. But I was experiencing more than food at the moment. And I just kind of dismissed it. She came back about 10 minutes later. She goes, please, please, would you come? We want to feed you. And so reluctantly, I got up and I felt like I was... And I, this is just how I felt. I felt like I was leaving the Lord. You don't have to tell me about theology. I've studied it for years. I know he's with me and he's inside of me. But he wanted me to stay where I was at. And I left. And I was driving home that night and I felt quite full. I felt excited to see because the glory of the Lord began to... This is just like the splash 
like it was like a, a smallest minute drop of glory came into the room and, and people couldn't stand. I was driving home and I was th thanking the Lord, Lord, you're just so good. Uh, I'm, I'm so, uh, Lord, without you, I can do nothing. You're the vine and I'm a branch and apart from you, I'm nothing. And apart from you, I can do nothing. Without you, Lord, I am nothing. And I was just reminded of the greatness of God and how faithful he is to use broken vessels, amen? That night I went to bed, my heart was full, and at three o'clock in the morning I woke up, and his heart was, he was grieved. And I was like, Lord, what's, what, what's wrong? And I got up and I went to pray, and I got on my knees, I said, he said, Dan, I want you to get more hungry for me. When I'm moving, I don't want you to leave. I want you to stay because I want to do things in you. I want to overwhelm you in my love because I want to be your priority and your first love over any and everything. And I began to weep and I began to cry. And I was telling some, some one of them was a pastor and a couple other people. This one pastor goes, oh man, no, no condemnation. And I, I, want, to, I want to say this. I, I, I looked at him and I said, no condemnation. I, I, just, I don't even understand what you're telling me. I said, are you referring to Romans 8 verse 1? <laughs> I said, do you not understand that that's not what Paul was saying? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That speaks nothing of conviction. That word condemnation speaks of the outer banishment of those that don't know Jesus. It's a final judgment passage. There will not be a final judgment for those who are in Christ. That word condemnation, Americans, and I, when Pastor Mike was preaching last week, the Lord said, I'm about to send great repentance and fire upon my bride in this wave that is to come. He says, and if my people don't understand how I want to deal with their hearts and go deep, they will brush it off. Oh, I'm not going to come under condemnation. He said, number one, sons don't come under condemnation. We come under correction. Orphans can experience in that language that kind of that condemnation. I'm going to call it shame. That Romans 8 chapter 1 has nothing to do with God correcting us. It has everything to do with you and I found in Jesus. We will not experience the final banishment into darkness and to the lake of fire. But those that are not in Jesus, those that reject Jesus, they will have that condemnation. They will be eternally condemned. I said to this pastor, I said, do you actually preach this, that God can't come and correct and convict? I said, brother, it didn't make me feel sickened. It brought joy to me. Because true repentance brings joy. It brings life. I felt the fullness of joy entering into me that I could have a heart that wasn't calloused that my papa could convict me. That my dad could come to me and say, son, I need you to lean into again, again into the heart of hunger. And then he began to go, he said, I'm going to go deep into your private life. And I want you to know I don't have active sin in my private life. I got delivered of pornography in 2006. I had a dramatic encounter with the Lord where God delivered me and gave me a hatred for that nonsense. He said, but I'm going to go deep in you. He says, because I'm going to prepare you for my coming glory, my coming wave, and I want to prepare my people. 
Every time God was about to do something significant in a nation or a city, he's always called a remnant to get prepared. When he wanted to move Israel out, he called them into preparation. When he wanted to move them out of Egypt into a land flowing with milk and honey, he began to prepare them with the blood. Amen. He always prepares. When Gideon was about to have an encounter to deliver all of Israel, the Lord began to encounter him at the altar. God wants to encounter you and I. When Moses was about to be launched to lead all of Israel, God encountered the man of God in front of a burning bush that would not be burned. He had to step aside. He had to turn. And listen to me, God is calling us to turn again to the voice of the Lord. Just to observe the burning bush, Moses didn't hear, but it was when he turned aside and I want to share something with you. God is coming to many of you in this room who have had tremendous seasons of hope deferred. When God came to Moses, let me just go ahead and write in between the lines. When he came to Moses, Moses, I would assume, would have said this, Lord, I'm far too broken to be called right now. If you could have called me 40 years ago, when I had a voice, when I had authority and when I had a heart filled with confidence and a heart filled with vision for leadership, but now I'm so severely broken, I can't even speak without stuttering. God, if you could have called me then. God's like, I'm calling you now. Because it's at the most broken where God will get the most glory out of your life. And many of you in this room have been through seasons of tremendous brokenness. I'm convinced now that the broken seasons have produced in you an ability to broaden you and to broaden your shoulders and to strengthen you to carry the weight of His glory. Because the weight of His glory is coming. It's coming. I said the weight of His glory is coming, John. For you, John, the weight of glory is coming upon you, man of God. The weight of glory is coming upon you, John. John, in the seasons were pressure against your heart. God says, if you'll ask, I'll place a mantle upon your shoulders of my glory and my power. Because of the brokenness that you've been through, man of God, God says, if you'll cry out to me, I will fill you to overflowing. I'll give you a hunger and a zeal for my presence. John, I want to declare to you, the Lord is about to open you to the realms of revelation. He's about to reveal mysteries and understanding to you. Everything around you in your children is about to radically shift. John, you're going to be a carrier of glory, a carrier of kabod, a carrier of his weight, of his glory. And I was before him and I was, because I've been asking, because I could sense something was coming. God's taken my own life through his seasons of severe brokenness. And he's gone through great lengths to try to produce a humility inside of my heart and many of you in your hearts. Two and a half years where I was going through medical crisis, I wouldn't... I wouldn't trade it for anything. For two and a half years, I encountered the Lord in early mornings, mostly at three in the morning as the Lord began to speak to me about my future. Even when my legs didn't even work, he would speak to me about glory coming and revival coming and awakening coming. Tell me we're in those times right now. I was on my knees and I saw the first wave that was coming and I heard the Lord says, this is my mercy, I'm coming. I'm pouring up my mercy. 
It's Isaiah 64, verse 3, where it says that I'm going to shake the nation. And I'm going to show myself to a people who are not looking for me. Right now, God is showing himself to denominations that have lost their ability to pray. There was a pastor recently that reported, he goes, I have not prayed in five years. I've not read my Bible in over six years. I've not heard the voice of the Lord in years. He says, and God is pursuing me. I lost my ability to pursue God years ago. This is a pastor, and the God of heaven is chasing after me. And I saw this first wave that's coming, and God is awakening these denominations. He's awakening people that are even in this room that you've lost your ability to seek after the heart of God. He's going after people that have been found lost in sin, where your heart's been abandoned, you've been left, it seems like, to die, and the Lord is pursuing you again. And then I saw all of a sudden, it was a panning back. I'm on my knees, I'm seeing this is three o'clock in the morning, and I saw another wave that was forming behind this little wave of what's happening right now. And in the wave, if, if I have time, I would read it to you. It's 2 Samuel chapter 20, and the same sister passage is in Psalm 18. It's when David was crying out that my enemy is too great for me. He's oppressed on every side. He's crying out to the Lord for deliverance. Then he looks and he sees the God of heaven coming in dark clouds with lightnings and thunderings. This cloud that I saw that was coming, it was the glory like I have never seen before. It was, you got to hear me in the right way. You got to hear me with the eyes of the Lord. It was, it was a great and a dreadful coming glory where God was about to shatter the work of the enemy over our state and over a nation. I saw the, the mighty peals of thunder, the lightnings of God, this thick, dark clouds. And David even said, he goes, and Lord, you were angry. You came down. God's not angry at you. He's angry at his adversary. And God is about to break the yoke of the enemy off of an entire nation and off of our cities and off of your home. He's going to bring deliverance to his people. And David said, the enemy was too strong for me. And then he came and he brought deliverance to David. God is about to release the spirit of repentance back on his church. Let me just show you a passage in James that many people have been confused about. It's James chapter 4. If you'd like to, I'll, I'll read it for you. James 4, verse 8, he says, draw, draw near to me. It's God saying this. And he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. Don't forget this, this book was written to the church. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And here's the, here's the repentance. Let me explain it to you what this means. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves under the right hand of the Lord and he will lift you up. Pastor Mike was preaching last week on the fear of the Lord and I know Pastor Andrew has a similar word on the fear of the Lord. Why is that being released? Because Holy Spirit is saying to release it. Get ready. The fear of the Lord is coming. It is coming and is going to shake everything. Amen. 
And when I saw this passage the other day, he goes, this is true repentance. And he said, I need you to tell my people what true repentance looks like because I'm going to come with power and the church will be offended if they don't understand what it looks to repent before an absolute holy God. That God is 100% completely holy. He's aware of every thought that you ever think. He's aware of every room that you sit in. He's aware of every business dealing. He's aware of how you think about the opposite sex. He is aware of how you handle your marriage. He's aware of how you handle money. He is aware of absolutely everything. And the Lord is going to purify his bride. When my wife came down the aisle 26 years ago, absolute stunning. I did everything, my ability to try to remember the event. And as soon as she came through that door, I absolutely lost it. But I remember that her dress was perfectly white. It had no spots and there wasn't a wrinkle in that dress. If my wife had come through that door with a Coke stain, that wedding would have been stopped until she was able to get herself another white dress because she would not have come down that aisle to meet me with stained garments. I know she wouldn't have because it was an epic day. And the Lord is coming to prepare his bride for this. Amen. This repentance, it looks like this. With one of my kids, McKenna and I, we've had these moments where my 19-year-old, she's a firebrand. Her name literally means born of fire, and she absolutely is. She's zesty for Jesus, and she's zesty in other ways. Amen. And there's been times when she'll, she'll misstep, and we'll bring correction, and she'll say, okay, I'm sorry. And then a day or two later, she'll come back and she'll say, Dad, I'm, I'm really sorry. That was true repentance. It was the idea of like, I will never do that again. I'm sorry. I've been before the Lord a few weeks ago. I had a stretching moment of faith. A couple months ago, actually, a stretching moment of faith. And I got frustrated with the Lord. And I began to speak harshly to the Lord. God, I thought that everything was supposed to work together for good. I love you. And I began to speak against him, and all of a sudden, he came through way beyond the way that I thought he would. And here, several days later, I'm in prayer, and I'm, oh, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. And days later, he came to me in my prayer time, and he says, Dan, you were harsh against me. So he says. He says, you actually thought that I wouldn't be faithful to you. And then he just stopped speaking, and it was like he was looking at me. And I said this, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. And I said, I will not do that again. You are faithful. And then a few days later, I was in prayer again, and I said to him, Lord, I'm really sorry. And I felt it, and I began to cry. Because you have always been faithful. I'm not always faithful, but you are always faithful. And for a moment, I questioned your faithfulness, and I repent. Lord, by your grace, that will not happen again. That's what this passage is saying right here. Turn your laughter to mourning. Let him go deep inside of you. There was a gathering I was asked to be part of. I couldn't make it. I had another speaking event. 
where eight or nine pastors were asked to go up into Estes Park because 300 women were gathering at a women's conference to have their hearts renewed in the Lord. They gave an altar call to the women. 85% of the women responded to an addiction to pornography. These are churched women. Responded to this pornography and they got so delivered. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. This is the beauty of the Godhead. Jesus spoke. See, the Father lived to glorify the Son and the Son lived to glorify the Father. And then Jesus says, and when I go, I'm going to send to you a comforter. And when the Holy Spirit came, he lives to glorify Jesus. Everything about his ministry, his convicting in our hearts, is because there's a bridegroom coming. And there's holy fire in his eyes. And a longing in his heart. And he's coming for a pure and spotless bride. He's coming with an anticipation to find you and I in the realm of faith, believing and longing for his return. And he's coming with full expectancy to see all of your vessels filled with the oil of his presence. That's what he's coming to look for. And the Lord is sending out of his mercy and his goodness. The second wave of glory is coming upon the church to get us radically prepared for what's coming because the nations of the earth are about to be impacted and many of you in this room will be carrying great glory and revival upon your life. It's already happening. It's breaking loose. You know, I was stirred the other day when John was sharing, so I wanted to share a fun God story. I pulled into, uh, into Home Depot and this lady, she was late 60s and she was in a really bad, a bad way physically. I could tell that she was in immense pain and she could hardly walk and she was pushing this cart and I pulled in and I said, oh, Lord, just give me a sign if you want me to pray for her. And the Lord says, she's limping. That's what he says to me. <laughs> and I, I waited too long because I could have prayed for her easily in the parking lot, but now I had to do it in Home Depot. <laughs> and so I walked into Home Depot, and she was at the customer service counter. The place was packed. And I'm over in the electrical area kind of thumbing around, looking, waiting for her to, you know, to move away. And Roger, the guy at the door, I'm in there a lot. <laughs> Roger at the door was like watching me like I was going to steal a light switch or something. <laughs> well, finally, this lady, she turns around and she begins to walk and she was hobbling bad, big, big brace on her leg, on her right leg. And I could tell she was in immense amount of pain. And I walked up and I grabbed her shoulder and I said, ma'am, I said, can I release a word over you? She looked at me like, what? And I, and I said, the Lord says you're about to be made well. And I prophesy a word over you. I said, what's going on in your body? She says, well, I'm a, I'm a flight attendant. We were flying to Paris. I tripped over a bag and I destroyed the ligaments in my knee. I went to have surgery and they, they botched the surgery. They said, I'm going to live with this immense pain the rest of my life. And I could tell she was hurting. I said, ma'am, I said, that's not the case. It's going to end today. So I prayed and her knee was instantly healed. She started just going nuts, jumping up and down. And she goes, she goes, I have, I have, um, what's the word, uh, the nerve damage in the skin. I have um, shingles. She goes, I have shingles from rib cage to rib cage because of all the pressure of this and the, and, and the stress of this thing. I have shingles all across my rib cage. And we prayed, and all of a sudden, her pain left, all the, shing all the shingle pain left in the heartbeat. 
And then she was weeping. And I said, Jesus loves you. He's healing you. And then she goes, I have a lump on my breast right here. And I want it gone. And God shrunk that lump in a heartbeat. Boom, just shrunk that lump in a heart. Boom, just like this. God is about to manifest his glory in our lives in tremendous ways. But I feel so strong. I don't think I'm the only one in here who has been aware of his barrenness. Now, hear me. I, pr I prioritize prayer more than anything in my life. My kids will tell you that, that I'm in prayer a lot. But the Lord says, I need you. It's like, he's made me aware that, and that's not a braggadocious statement. Actually, I am so aware of my immense weaknesses that if I don't spend a lot of time in prayer and I'm aware of my insecurities and I'm aware of my flesh, that's not a prideful statement that I'm this mighty man of God that spends a lot of time in prayer. I have to because I feel like if I didn't, there would be an unraveling of my heart. So I need him a lot. I need to be in his presence a lot. And the Lord spoke to me, I need to make you more hungry. And I know this about New Testament, the glory of his grace. Any commandment in the New Testament, there's grace to fulfill the command. And any stirring of Holy Spirit, when he points something out to you, when he says, he said to me the other day, he goes, I'm, I'm going after your distractions. They're amoral. They're, they're neither right nor wrong. I, I don't set myself before things that are ungodly. He said, but I'm going after your distractions because, son, I'm sending my glory. It's a different day. We're in a different time. I need you before the burning of my eyes right now. And the Lord spoke in 2 Samuel 20 and Psalm 18 that the Lord is sending from heaven his glory and he's going to destroy everything in our lives that hinders love. Anything separating you from him, he's coming. Whatever separating you, this entity separating you, you will see the anger and the hostility of God against your adversary. At the same time, his compassion and love for you. It's so wild that yesterday was completely different than today. And we, we hit our knees over there when they started singing the song, Holy. I got on my knees. And I felt the Lord said, I'm restoring the holiness back in my church. I'm restoring the hunger back upon my people. So hold out your hands in front of you and then we're going to pray. In the name of Jesus, I just want to bless you. I just was made aware today that some of you in this room are stuck. You've been in cyclical patterns. You've been just going around a mountain. Going around a mountain. Going around a mountain. And the Lord wants to bring deliverance to you today. He wants to break cyclical patterns. God wants to make you overcome. He wants to cause you to be triumphant in this hour. He wants to anoint you. He wants to put his grace upon your life. We're in that Haggai too. You, Pastor Mike says it all the time. For the nations of the earth are about to be shaken. God said, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken. I firmly believe, just keep your eyes closed, we are in a global awakening. I don't know how to say it other than that. I've never said that before. I believe that we're in a global awakening. Purdue University is having radical revival right now in Purdue. 
It's happening in churches all over our front range right now where they can't stop worshiping. They're going for day after day after day after day. This church has been mandated by the Lord to stand in the place of intercession and to pray for the glory of the Lord to come without measure. And we're going to continue praying and continue praying. And I believe that the Lord wants to make us aware of our great need for him right now. A year and a half ago, I asked the Lord, would you give me a grace to stay long in your presence? Would you give me a grace to stay long in your presence? If you have need for more of him, there's some people in this room, you're so anointed, there's such a mandate and a calling on your life, but yet you're in the fringes. You're just right on the fringe of the kingdom. And God wants to bring you fully back into the church. There needs to be a removal of the hope deferred in your heart. That when God comes to you, he's not looking for you to say, Lord, I've been believing this for 20 years. I've been standing and believing for healing for 15 years. When God comes to you, he doesn't want to hear you with hope deferred. He wants to find faith in you that you will respond to him and you'll say, Lord, I'm broken, but your grace is sufficient for me. There's worship leaders in this room who are on the fringe. There's preachers in this room that are on the fringe and God needs to bring you into your assignment and your calling. Some of you that have gone through these seasons of wandering ministry, I'm talking to believers right now, you've been wandering God has been growing and expanding your capacity for a way to your presence. If God has to shoot you a long ways, that means he has to pull you back a long ways. Some of you have felt pulled back and pulled back and pulled back. And God's about to shoot you out. I'm aware that what I just shared with you is an utter sermon train wreck. But I've given up my days of preaching sermons. If I ever pastor again, maybe I'll preach sermons. But that's not my assignment this morning. It's for us to feel the heart of God and for his people, his people in this room to say, I want a greater hunger. I want a greater hunger for your presence. I want a greater desire for you. And he first says, I want you to draw near to me. That's how you draw near, by asking. I'm going to draw near to you. And then I will draw near to you, he says. You draw near to me, I will draw near to you. If you've been aware of you need more hunger, I want you to stand to your feet. Some of you do not realize you're five days away from an outpouring. You're five days away from an encounter. John, I just feel this so strong, my brother, that you're just moments away from an encounter that's going to define your life. You know what I want to do? I want to just cry with you in these altars. I've told you I'm not much of a crier when I preach. In fact, I don't ever really do it. But there has been such an awareness of God. Lord, I want to hunger for you. He's coming. I've felt this need lately to close my mouth. I haven't wanted to pray in the prayer meetings. I just want to shut my mouth and be humble before the Lord. I want to be still before Him. 
Because what he's coming to do is bigger than we've ever seen before. That wave that I saw coming was the greatest thing that I've ever seen before. I've never seen anything like what is coming. It shook me. It so deeply rattled me of what is coming. There's one revelation that's coming right now. There will only be one. It will be the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to stand right now. It won't, it won't be a preacher. It will not be fancy ministry stuff. It will be men and women before the eyes burning with fire. And this third great awakening, it won't be an evangelist that's highlighted. It won't be a prophet that's highlighted. It will be the greatest fivefold minister who's ever walked the earth. It is Jesus himself. He will get all the glory. He'll get all the credit. And he will receive all the honor, all of it. And the nations of the earth, they are his inheritance. That passage where the father said, Son, you've done so well in the laying down of your life. Son, if you'll ask me, I will give you the nations. And the son asked, Father, give me the nations as my inheritance. And he's doing exactly that. As Luna just ministers in this presence, I, I'm, I'm calling out yesterday, there was an 80-year-old woman 80-year-old leader of this women's ministry. She was more fiery and radical than I am. More hungry and desperate than I am. An absolute firebrand. It was like when Caleb said, I'm 80 years old. And I am today like I was when I came into this promised land. Give me my mountain. I'm calling for every person in this room, young to old. It's time to sign up again. This brother, there was a crying out on, on Wednesday night that the, that the um, baby boomers would be reawakened in their revival anointing, reawakened in their assignments. We've been crying out for Gen Z. I don't know what generation I'm part of, but I'm telling you, I won't be left behind. I'm asking God, I want to be the hungriest man alive for your presence. I want to hunger and thirst for you all the days of my life. I want us to come find a place of prayer. This is prophetic today. We're getting before the Lord. We're standing before him. We're getting before him and asking him, would you increase my hunger? If you want to find a place to prayer, you can stand where you're at. But Lord, we ask you, if you want to kneel, you can come kneel. We ask you, Lord, to release to us the spirit of burning, the hunger again for your presence. If you have felt stuck here, I just want to declare just a prophetic release over you that God is going to break your feet out of that thick clay that you've been standing in. That your feet are about to be loosed to move again. Declare no more, no more patterns, no more brokenness. God is bringing a deliverance to you today. A deliverance to you today. Lord, I thank you for the spirit of alignment. The spirit of alignment over our hearts, God. Cause us to hunger.
Cause our hearts to burn for you today, Lord. Cause our hearts to burn for you, Lord. I simply want you to ask him, God, give me a grace to hunger again. Give me a grace to hunger at another level. And then I want you just to receive it. Receive by faith the grace to hunger for his presence. fear of the Lord, it delivers us from lukewarmness. God wants to deliver us today from any lukewarmness. Isaiah 11, 1. The sevenfold manifestations of the Spirit. The last one is the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. It's Holy Spirit bringing the fear of the Lord. Revival is loving what He loves, hating what He hates. Revival is living a life that is completely sensitive to Him. God is releasing revival out of His mercy. He's releasing the fear of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is coming and giving the gift of the fear of the Lord. And he wants to go deep today. The Spirit of the fear of the Lord. 